Hi, weather friends. Welcome to the Girls Who Chase podcast, stories of women in weather and storm chasing. I'm Jen. I'm a storm chaser and science communicator, and I'll be your host. Girls Who Chase is a new initiative that empowers and inspires girls and women around the world to pursue the sciences, the weather, and their passions. On this podcast, we'll bring you the badass female and female-identified voices of the storm-chasing weather and science community to raise and tackle some real-life tough questions and issues and identify solutions and paths forward. You can find out more about what we're doing at girlswhochase.com. Now, on to the show. Liz Lightman is a meteorologist at the National Weather Service Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma. Until very recently, she was the only female forecaster at the Storm Prediction Center, which is a pretty standout statistic. In her role as a mesoscale outlook forecaster, she diagnosed and forecasts severe thunderstorm and tornado potential across the United States. She's also conducted research in severe storms meteorology, including derechos and tornadoes, as well as in fire weather forecasting and risk communication. When Liz isn't skillfully predicting the next severe weather setup, she may be out chasing herself. She's also a passionate advocate for women in STEM, mental health, and ADHD. Talk to me about how you first got interested in weather and meteorology. So what was your journey like and when did weather become a big part of that for you? So I think like most of us with you know, the hardcore weather bug. Um, it started really early when I was about four or five years old. And I was actually terrified of thunderstorms. And um, so my mom took me to our public library and checked out a bunch of kids' weather books. And, um, you know, I think she thought that if I kind of understood better what was happening, that I wouldn't be as afraid. And she was right because I was hooked um, from then. And there's never been anything else that I wanted to do or wanted to be um, all through school. And so um, it's always been weather. And um, so, you know, in high school, I actually um, decided I want to go to OU and um, came down here for a visit. And it, like I just fell in love and luckily, um, you know, I applied to OU, I got in and did the, uh, program, the meteorology program at the school of meteorology here. And, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> That's so interesting. I feel like a lot of us start with terror first, mm-hmm. yeah. which then somehow <laughs> transitions. Um, even like my parents ask me regularly how this happened because, <laughs> there'd be a thunderstorm and I'd end up in their bedroom at night because yeah, I was terrified exactly. and look at me now. <laughs> yeah. A little confusing. Yeah. Um, what do you think was about it that kept you interested and kind of kept you committed? Because uh, from what I hear, getting a meteorology degree is not exactly cake. So no. um, <laughs> what, what was it that kept you focused forward? I like science in general, so I've always, always been interested in science, but, you know, with weather, it's, it's always changing. It's always different. And so, um, you know, no, no two weather events are the same and it's always like a puzzle to figure out. Um, and so for me, that just, you know, it keeps it fresh and exciting and, you know, it's always something new. 
and there, you know, like you said, uh, meteorology is not an easy degree um, to get, but um, there are so many like different niches within weather and meteorology as well. And so, you know, there's all sorts of different routes that you can take and um, kind of finding what sparks your interest within those different areas um, also kind of keeps it fresh and exciting. And so um, really, I just think it's, you know, the atmosphere is amazing and it's beautiful and always changing, always exciting. <laughs> Was there someone who supported you in that process or was there someone in particular that you looked up to along the way? Mm -hmm. um, so whenever I was in high school, I had a really amazing earth science teacher and she was just, she was always really encouraging and she was so excited um, that I wanted to go to school to be a meteorologist. And so she was always really, really supportive. And actually like while I was in college and once I got hired in the weather service, um, whenever I would go back home to visit, she would always have me come and talk to her classes and, you know, she, she was just a really good cheerleader and, and supporter. Um, and then once I got into college, uh, I, I still remember like my sophomore year, some of my older friends who were getting ready to graduate, they were all like stressed because they were having trouble finding jobs and stuff like that. And I was like, well, I know exactly what I want to do you know, I want to work for the weather service and I don't want to be in that position when it's time for me to graduate. And so, um, I went to one of my professor's, um, office hours, Dr. Ken Crawford. He used to be the MIC at the Norman office. And, um, I told him, I was like, look, my friends are having this problem. I don't want, I don't want that to be me. Tell me what I need to do to make sure I have a job as soon as I graduate. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, he was also the director of the Oklahoma climate survey. And so, um, I got a job at the climate survey as a student. Uh, so that was helpful. And then he also got me into contact with, uh, Mike Foster, who was the MIC at the Norman office when I was a student at OU. And, um, we did like an interview and I ended up volunteering there for like two and a half years. And that opened a lot of doors. <laughs> and MIC is meteorologist in charge. Just right. so I'm yes. For for those of us who aren't that acronym oriented. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. There's a lot of acronyms in the weather service. <laughs> yeah. There's acronyms everywhere all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's my, it's like the science commuter communicator in me. I have like a acronym filter yeah. where I'm like, uh Oh, acronym best double check. <laughs> um, gotcha. Okay. So you got to spend some time really learning what it was like to actually be doing meteorologist work on the ground and probably bought you some time as well to decide if you really wanted to do that before you put all that time and energy into kind of working your way into one of those positions. Yes, it was an amazing experience. And um, the people at, at the forecast office, the other forecasters, they, you know, they were all really supportive and they're like, yeah, we're gonna train you on everything. You're gonna know like exactly what you need to do, you know, for the jobs that you want when you graduate. And, um, you know, it was just, it, it was great experience. 
So let's talk about severe weather. Okay. It's kind of up your alley. Yes. <laughs> um, so what was the journey like between that point and the storm prediction center? Um, like what sorts of work did you do? And then how did you find yourself walking in those doors? So severe weather has always been my passion in the you know weather sphere. Um, when I was in high school, you know, I knew I want to work at the Storm Prediction Center. And so, you know, that was my ultimate goal, um, starting out in the weather service. So as soon as I graduated, um, I got a position with the weather forecast office in Billings, Montana. And so I spent two years there and it was really great. They were all excited that someone from Oklahoma who had, you know, like a lot of severe weather experience already was coming up there. And um, so I spent two years there and their science operations officer, um, he was also kind of a severe weather nut. And so we did some research projects together um, and staff training and different things like that. Um, and so, you know, that, that was a really good first experience. And then um, I went from Billings to the Louisville, Kentucky NWS office. And I spent about a year and a half there, um, worked a lot of severe events. Um, that was the first time where I was regularly um, able to work like radar and issue warnings um, and things like that, collaborating with SPC on watches, things like that. So that was really exciting. Um, and again, did some research there for different events that impacted the office. Um, and then two jobs came open at SPC. And I was like, I'm never going to get a job. They'll never hire me. It's like, <laughs> but uh, I was like, but I'm going to take a chance. And I applied and I reached out to the director at the time um, to ask some questions just about the positions because initially those two positions were added um, because of SPC's expanding um, fire weather program. And I wanted to make sure I was like, am I only gonna be doing fire weather or will I also be doing severe? <laughs> and so I reached out to him and we had a good conversation and then I ended up getting the job. Um, I've been there now for 12 years. <laughs> So obviously it's working out okay. <laughs> 12 years is quite a while. So yeah, seems yeah. like a good fit. Okay. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, and what has your experience been like? I mean, just talk about, you know, like 12 years is a long time to be in any job. So there's gotta be a lot of things that, that keep you coming back. Um, I mean, what does a typical day look like for you? You know, what has your experience been? So SPC is really cool in that um, you kind of get the best of several worlds. So whenever I talked about there being a lot of like niche areas within weather, um, being at a national center that's focus is mainly severe weather. We have the operations aspect. Um, so like every day, all day long, you know, we get to analyze severe storms. How cool is that? It's amazing. <laughs> and, um, but also, you know, there are certain times of the year where severe weather is quiet. So, well, 
what are you going to do during that time? I promise we're not just sitting there doing nothing. Um, <laughs> during those times, a lot of us are working on research projects. So you kind of get to dabble in both. You get to do operations and then you can also do research. And I've done a lot of different um, research projects at SPC. I've done things where um, we help with the ha hazardous weather test bed, which is what we use to test new tools, new concepts in severe storms meteorology. Um, so, you know, there, there's always something to be done, whether it's the research or the operations, helping in the HWT communications. Um, you know, how can we be more efficient in reaching the people that need our information um, and that kind of thing. So there's all sorts of things that we do on a daily basis, even when the weather is quiet. And that just makes it really fun and interesting. Describe like one of the best days ever at work. <laughs> oh like gosh. what's a good day for you? Well, a good day for me is probably a bad day for other people, unfortunately. So it's all about perspective. I mean, this podcast is called Girls Who Chase. So. Right. So, I mean, you know, obviously, like, active weather is our whole purpose of being there. And the most rewarding thing is when, you know, we hear things like, for instance, um the more 2013 tornado um so i worked the mid shift leading up to that you know helped out with the outlook did radio interviews um about the day's upcoming weather and things like that and my physician actually her office was at the hospital in more that got demolished by the tornado and she called me a few days afterwards and told me, she said, I heard your interview about what was likely to happen on the radio that morning. And I closed the office, canceled all of our appointments. So no one was there. She was like, thank you so much. And, you know, just hearing stuff like that, like, you know, what you do actually has an impact and matters. That's a good day. You know, that like makes it all worth it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, right? Like weather in and of itself is cool, but then knowing that you've made a difference in someone's right. life or helped keep people safe, that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times, like we don't hear those stories as often as the things like, oh, nothing ended up happening or, you know, you guys get paid to be wrong all of the time, you know, stuff like that. Everybody, everybody loves to joke around with, you know, the meteorologists. But um, so whenever we hear stories like that, it's it's awesome because it's like proof that, yeah, you know, what I'm doing matters. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the other thing that was somewhat standout to me and part of the reason we're talking today, which is that you are currently the only female forecaster at the Storm Prediction Center. Um, is that normal from your experience is that unusual and what do you think about that so when i first came to spc we had one other female forecaster um in the mezzo a ranks and um i think she left like two or three years after i got there so for about a decade now 
I've been the only female forecaster. <laughs> and um, I would say, yeah, it probably is typical for SBC. Um, just historically, there haven't been, there have been other female forecasters, but, um, you know, it's generally male dominated, which is true of the meteorology field in general. Um, I do think that the weather service over the last, you know, five to 10 years that they've been making a lot of gains. I know that there are a lot of forecast offices that have a large female presence. You know, I see pictures on, on Twitter a lot of like, oh, look at our all female shift and, and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, you know, and I don't really know what the reasons um, for that at SPC are. You know, I, I get the sense that maybe females aren't applying for the jobs as much. Um, and, you know, and so I have some theories about why that might might be, um, but I hope it changes because it's a great place to work. Um, and I would love to have some female friends in the office. <laughs> so I think that, you know, some of it is just like, you know, there aren't as many females applying for the position. Um, so to work at SPC, you have to be, um, well, the, our, our Mezzo A position is a GS-12. And so you have to be eligible to bid on a GS-12 position. And so, you know, that that's one limiting factor, I think. Um, another is we're located in Oklahoma. And <laughs> Oklahoma is amazing. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to live. I love it here. But um you know, I think a, a lot of females probably think, you know, gosh, that's really far from like my family, um, where, where I live or where I want to be, uh, things like that. And so that's probably maybe another consideration. Um, and so, you know, it's like shift work is hard and you have to have a really strong support system to get through it it impacts your social life you know your relationships and you know most people aren't from oklahoma <laughs> you know and so it, it may not be an ideal location um for someone to come to but um i you know i i really think that there's just a lack of females applying for the positions and so if you love severe weather, I would highly encourage you to apply for it because Oklahoma is great and SPC is awesome. <laughs> I was going to ask about the shift work because obviously, um, and you talk about that sometimes, you know, what you're struggling with in terms of suddenly flipping from being on all night or something to a daytime shift and how your body is adjusting to that. And I'd imagine, um, like you said, it's a difficult lifestyle decision, but I wonder too, if it's um, a concern for women who are trying to raise a family or have other responsibilities or who are struggling, who don't maybe have a support system in right. place that would allow them to have a schedule of that nature. It sounds like that's not optional. <laughs> right. No, it's not optional. And like one thing that, you know, it is really cool that we do at SPC is that we try to do like, um, 
as close to preferred scheduling as we can. And so like in our meso A positions, they only work day shifts and evening shifts. They don't work any midnights. And so whenever I got promoted from a meso A to a meso outlooker, and I knew that my schedule was going to be days, evenings, and midnights, I was like, this is actually kind of a hard decision because I have little kids <laughs> and not working midnights is nice. Um, but so now um, within our our different ranks, so there's meso A's, there's meso outlookers, and then the lead forecasters. And within those ranks, we have a bunch of different shift rotations. Um, bless our union steward who figures all of that out. <laughs> He's amazing. Um, so like right now, I only work day shifts and midnight shifts because I, I want to be home in the evenings with my kids, you know, and other people prefer working like long sets of mids. So they work like, I don't know, 11 or 12 mid shifts in a row, but then they only work mids like every three or four months. And so we have different things set up like that for based on everybody's preference um, to try and make it more bearable. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So getting ending up on the midnight shifts is a promotion. <laughs> I'm hearing. <laughs> well, um, so the meso outlookers, they rotate between the meso scale. So like the meso scale convective discussion, that's one desk. And then the convective outlook is a different desk. And so we rotate between the two. And, um, so for the outlook desk, I mean, obviously we've got a, a slew of outlooks that are due during the day. And then, um, on the evening shift, you issue like the one Z outlook and then the initial day one outlook at the end of the period at 1am and then overnight. So from like 8pm to 4am is when we do like the extended outlook day two, three and four through eight. So you have to be there overnight. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah. This is fascinating. I, I mean, I, you know, for those of us who, um, maybe spend an unhealthy amount of time on the SPC Outlooks page hitting <laughs> refresh, maybe at certain times of year. Um, it's just fascinating to know what's going on behind the scenes and, and you know, what it's like to be someone having that experience. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll move on. Um, have you chased? And because um, I know, I mean, I, I feel like at least watching you on social media, you interact with chasers um and enjoy content and and you know what everyone's coming up with um is chasing something that's of interest to you and remains that way or where do you stand with that yes i actually i love chasing um i did a lot more chasing uh in college and before i had kids so um having kids you know it it changes your schedule in everything in every way <laughs> so um that and and my job so i work at spc so when there's severe weather i'm probably at work <laughs> right. yeah so the number of opportunities for me to chase have definitely decreased um over the, the last several years but when I can, yes, I, I enjoy chasing. And sometimes chasing for me looks like 
going up to the observation deck of the National Weather Center, where SPC mm -hmm. is located, mm -hmm. um, because we have this amazing 360-degree view. Um, and I've, se I've probably seen at least four or five tornadoes just from up there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or um, sometimes you stand in your, you know, in, in your yard and you see tornadoes uh, that are a couple miles from your house. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's just called living in Oklahoma. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> Everybody come upstairs and see the tornado that's <laughs> randomly there. All right. Um, yeah. What is it then about chasing? I mean, for the experiences that you have had, what is it about chasing for you that is it is attractive? Like, what do you like about it? Mm -hmm. So especially like whenever I was a college student, there is no better way to learn meteorology than being out in the field and experiencing it. Um, it, you know, ooh, a lot of us see the discussions on Twitter about, you know, all of the math and the physics and these complex equations that govern, you know, that these atmospheric processes and it's a lot of math and it's very abstract. But then when you go out and you can like, see an updraft and you see a supercell and it's like suddenly all of that makes sense because you see it physically happening right in front of you and so that is that's really amazing is to just look at a storm and be like yes this is what's happening this is what these equations mean but then also it's just you know nature is therapeutic and so just being out there um it's awe-inspiring you know it's beautiful and it's exciting um you know and so that that's definitely definitely appealing <laughs> so just to kind of tie all of this together then what does being a female meteorologist slash female scientist slash girl who chases mean to you i mean it's so you know, we already talked about this. Meteorology is a male dominated field. And I think for a lot of women, maybe that is at times intimidating. Um, but I think that if it's something you love, you just you have to go for it and go after it. And whether, you know, don't let those obstacles stand in your way. And in my experience, the most part, you know, people within the community have been really supportive and, um, you know, I just, you invest a lot of time from, you know, the age of four or five in something that you love. And, um, you know, I just, I, I want women to know you can do it. There, there are no barriers. Just get out there and and do it um and hopefully you know i i can support women who have questions or concerns or things like that and it's like look i'm an example i did it i'm doing it so you can too what important lessons have you learned i guess about your work more specifically that you wish you'd known when you started or would want to share with other women working in meteorology or in, in the weather space? 
So I think it goes back to shift work. Like I knew that it would be required that I would have to do it. And you know, when you're young and you don't have many responsibilities, it's like, well, whatever, that's fine. I'm a night owl anyway, you know, it's fine. It's going to be awesome. And it is, but it's challenging. The people in your life have to be supportive. They have to understand um, because you're going to be tired. You're going to be crabby. You're not always going to want to be present and it's hard. And so, you know, the people close to you, um, they have to be okay with it. And it's a big challenge. Um, like I said, socially in relationships, uh, family situations. And so you really just need to have a really strong support system and just be upfront, you know, with the people in your life, like this is my schedule and this is how it's going to be accept it or don't. <laughs> I get the sense that's the case with chasing for a lot of people too. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, none of us can control the weather and it's going to happen when it happens and where it happens. And sometimes right. we know, and sometimes we don't. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, it, I've definitely heard a lot of stories about folks struggling with that yeah. at times with families and yeah, yeah, it, it's, a big sacrifice. It, it's a challenge. I think the, the other thing is just that, um, and especially in like what I do with severe weather, you know, we work high impact, low probability events. And when you get situations like more 2013 or April 27th, 2011, or, um, you know, Joplin, May 2011, um, they have an impact on you um, and you know it's it can be really hard to deal with that and process the outcomes and the aftermaths of you know just the devastation and the human toll and you know compartmentalizing that so that you can go back to work the next day and continue mm. to just do what you do um, it, it can be a challenge um, and so, you know, um, being open about that, if you're struggling, you know, talking to your coworkers or, you know, whoever you need to talk to about those things, um, you know, it, it's different for everybody, but it can be a struggle. It can definitely have an impact on, on your mental health. So that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I think a lot of when we think about mental health related to situations like that, we think about first responders and people mm -hmm. who are on scene physically, um, but it's gotta be a completely different experience seeing it coming almost before it happens or watching it in the moment as it's happening and knowing that there's absolutely nothing you can do, but exactly, warm. Exactly, and, it, and that, that's, it's like, you just have this feeling the day of the event because you know what's likely to happen and afterwards you question did i do enough was there something else that i could have done you know that could have helped more people and those are those are good questions to ask you know you you always want to improve and see how you can be better but um 
you know, at the, at the end of the day, as meteorologists, you're right, all we can do is try and make the best forecast we can, issue warnings as timely as we can, and then, you know, just hope it, it works out for everybody, that they get the message and, you know, can be safe. Hey there, Girls Who Chase podcast listeners. I'm Shannon Russell, host of the Second Act Success podcast, where I share inspirational conversations with women who have changed careers or started living a second act in life. I myself pivoted from a dream job as a television producer to building a second act as a career coach and entrepreneur. My mission is to share stories that will motivate you to produce your own life of happiness, whether it's chasing storms or finding the career that really lights you up. You can search Second Act Success on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or go to secondactsuccess.co forward slash podcast. Now it's time to introduce you to the adventurous and incredible host of the Girls Who Chase podcast, Jen Walton. If you could talk to your 10-year-old self today, what would you tell her? Oh, gosh. Um... <laughs> Let's see. 10 year old me, I guess I would tell her that you're worthy of the position you have and um, you're strong enough to get through the hard stuff. I think, you know, um, a lot of people, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome a lot. Um, and there have been times, you know, even whenever I first applied for the, the SPC job, I was like, Psh, there's no way they're going to hire me. I'm nobody, you know, it's like, no way, but I got it. I did it, you know, and um, there are times that you're going to question yourself, you know, meteorology is hard. We're wrong a lot. <laughs> you know, things don't always work out and it's the nature of the atmosphere. It's challenging. And that can make you second guess yourself. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I, I would tell myself, you, you are, you're good enough and, and you'll get through it. It's interesting that you chose that piece of advice because I'm sensing a pattern um, when it comes to, I mean, I think just women in general, um, but I think especially women in fields, maybe where it's a little less common for them to be in those fields, mm -hmm. there's a lot more questioning of capability and worth, um, and imposter syndrome and struggle with owning the, their, their story and their success, mm -hmm. um, and their ability to do what, whatever it is that they do, um, that I, I think we see less with men, or at least based on everything I've heard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think part of that is just, we don't see it as often. So, I mean, I'm the only female forecaster at SPC, so I have no one to compare myself to or to ask for advice in certain situations, um, you know? And so I think part of it is just, we don't see it. And so it's like, Hmm, am I alone in this? I don't know. <laughs> um, and so there, there can be a, a lot of questioning and while 
you know, the men that I work with are amazing, you know, that they're like, they're my family. Um, you know, there are certain times where it is kind of lonely or, um, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe they just, they can't relate as well to certain situations. Um, or like whenever I was pregnant with my kids, I had really difficult pregnancies and both of my kids were born premature. I missed a lot of work and, you know, things like that are like, well, am I slacking? Does everybody else view me as like not as good because I've got other stuff going on that's impacting work? I, I don't know. I have no one to talk to about it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think, yeah, mm. it, there is just a lot of self-doubt sometimes. And then like one thing that I do to deal with that is, you know, I try to go through and list like, okay, what are all of the things that I accomplished this year? You know, what are the events that I worked that like, you know, worked really well and I did like an awesome job, you know? And so just to kind of build myself up and be like, look, these are the things that you've done and that you're doing and you're fine. <laughs> you're doing great. That's, that's a great tip actually is when you are not surrounded by people who are reflective of, of you in one way or another, you don't have someone to bounce those things off of to be able to look back and look at those successes to remind yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, also like since the pandemic, I mean, that's kind of like changed perspective in a lot of ways for everybody, I think, you know, and so one thing that I also just try to keep in mind is like, you know, it's sometimes it's okay to not do anything. It's okay to say no, if things are overwhelming and you just don't have the mental capacity to deal with anything else. <laughs> um, because there's been a lot of stress, especially the last couple of years, that's external to work, but even at work, I mean, um, you know, we've been separated as a group to try and mitigate, you know, impacts of someone does have COVID um, or things like that. And so, yeah, that's just really changed my perspective in that, you know, it, it's okay to sometimes not be doing stuff. You'll get back to it. Just take the time you need to like get your mind right and everything else will fall into place. I'm gonna just let you keep talking because the advice just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> God, the pandemic would be like a whole other conversation, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been challenging. <laughs> were you all working from home? No. For most of it, or were you in the office no. with masks? So some of us have the capability um, to work from home given basically quiet weather, um, that kind of thing. But otherwise, luckily we have the space at SPC that we were able to like separate our different um, desks into completely different rooms. And so usually, you know, we're all sitting in operations together and, um, you know, it, the communication aspect is so important in what we do. So having us all there in the room together is, you know, it's, it's really important. And so one of the ways that like we kind of worked around that was we set up our workstations in completely different rooms in different spaces. And then we use laptops um, to do like 
you know, Google Meet to keep everybody connected and to keep the communication going. <laughs> so we weren't like yelling at each other through doors. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. And then, you know, ba based on, you know, the like transmission levels or whatever locally, you know, we could have the option like, you know, wearing masks in ops, you know, we could be together. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a really weird two years. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, what would you say to someone who maybe was afr afraid to pursue their passion? whether it's weather or just their passion in general, um, or they're being told it's not the right path for them. So <laughs> freshman year at OU, um, I got here and your initial year in college, um, you see just like a generic academic advisor who helps you pick out like those first classes. And they told me, so math is not my strong suit at all. Welcome and the they, they advised me to pick a different major other than meteorology because they didn't think that I'd be successful. And I said, well, that's okay. It's what I want. It's what I'm going to do. So sign me up for the classes. <laughs> and I started behind in math. I had to take summer classes to catch up. Um, I had to do tutoring. It was not pretty. It was not easy. It was a lot of work, but you know, I, I wish like I knew who that advisor was that I had met with. So when I graduated, I could be like, look, I did it. And you said I couldn't, but look, I did. So you know what you're capable of and you know what you're passionate about and how much you want something. And so don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. You decide if you can or can't do it. You're the only one who builds barriers. So don't <laughs> prove them wrong. <laughs> I love that story. I'm also not great at math. And as I like to say, there's a reason I ended up in journalism. <laughs> well, and the other thing, the other thing is too, you know, and I'm not, some people can't get through the math in the physics and that's okay because there are other things related to weather that you can do. So you can chase, it can be your hobby. You can do photography and video, you know, that kind of thing. You can go into emergency management which is heavily dependent on weather and related. Um, you can go into media and communications. Um, it, if it's what you love, you will find a way to do something related to that that makes you happy. So don't give up. You know, if being a degreed meteorologist doesn't work out, there are other avenues to take. Absolutely. Especially in this era of creating your work. Mm -hmm. I think like we've reached a certain point where um, there are all kinds of ways to get paid 
for what you're good at. Um, yes. I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. I couldn't get through the math. My bachelor's degree was, in, you know, environmental, and it turned out media and communication was much more up my alley. And here I am getting to interview you and talk <laughs> about weather and chasing, right? So anything is possible yeah. at the end. Yeah. So I've, I've mentioned a lot um, that while our immediate, I think, core audience is chasers, I think much more broadly, our audience for Girls Who Chase is women and girls who are interested in weather and, you know, women and girls who want to go into STEM type activities um, and really girls. I mean, mm -hmm. what I would love is for a 13 year old girl to hear this interview with you and feel empowered to pursue a career that yeah. is similar to yours. Um, so if, if that 13 year old girl were watching this or her parents, for example, um, and they, they're interested in following a similar career path, what do you think would be the most important type of skills, education, et cetera, or that girls or women need specifically to be successful or thrive in this industry? So I think that um, meteorology in general, it, it's evolved a lot in the last five to 10 years in that, um, you know, we've gotten pretty good at our forecasts and our warnings. And so a lot of it has turned to things like impacts and communication and visualization of data and things like that. And so I think first in, in general, um, you know, if you have skills in things like computer programming or communication, taking a complicated concept and explaining it in a really meaningful way um, and things like that, I think are going to be really helpful um, in the field because there's a lot of interdisciplinary um, work to be done. And so I think that, you know, whatever your skill set is, find a way to market it towards, you know, what your interest is in weather um, and you'll be successful. And as far as for girls specifically, um, <laughs> that, I think we've touched on that a lot already and just that you know, don't be intimidated that it's a field that's heavily dominated by males because it's getting better. It, it's getting a lot better. Um, there are more and more women who are entering the field and doing really fantastic things, whether it's forecasting or research or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, just believe in yourself and what you're passionate about and just just do it. Um, don't let the lack of, of females scare you away because we need you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, are there any websites or um, anything specifically geared toward 
women in meteorology that they should go check out or anything to kind of stay up to date in the field? Honestly, I'm really not sure if there's anything specifically like aimed, you know, towards a female audience. So there you go. There's a project. <laughs> um, Looking at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you, like your, your website is amazing and you know, you have tons of resources on there. So go check out girlswhochase.com. <laughs> Thanks for that the little marketing boost. I do actually think, I believe the American Meteorological Association has that's Some true. Yeah. Resources for women. Um, yeah. so what we're looking at actually is, you know, there's no re need to kind of reinvent the wheel right. in that regard. Um, and we're not an academic association and nor would it make any sense for us to become one, but I think there's probably we're sitting, you know, I'm holding my hands apart right now for those of you listening, like a not Venn diagram overlap between where we stand and where AMS is. And what I'd like is to introduce some type of overlap where right. um, we're maybe funneling people in one direction or another. Mm -hmm. So, so there is, there are some conversations with some Mets who have a chasing overlap to start looking at that, how we can kind of. Yeah, that's great. That. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think like related to students or, you know, um, whether it's college or, even in like elementary or middle school, high school, um, there are a couple of like the NOAA education website is really good. And there's a program called data in the classroom, which is mm. really interesting. And I've actually been working with them the last couple of years to create a severe weather related um, module. But what they do is they take different concepts in like ocean weather climatology um, and they create these amazing modules um, for teachers um, to use in the classroom. And so um, that's a really awesome resource. And then also um, the NOAA Hauling Scholarship, which I don't know if a lot, uh, like how, how prevalent this is um, like advertised in universities or whatever, but the knowing Holland, the NOAA hauling scholarship program is amazing because you get to, if you're awarded the scholarship, you get to pick a research topic and then you go to that office. So like I've hosted several hauling students at SPC and they've done research with me, um, during the summers and it's a paid internship. Um, and our students, they've gone on to like present at AMS and things like that. And so that's a, that's a really cool program and a really good opportunity for students. Is it open for full adults? <laughs> right? I'm just, it's like, it's like space camp, you know, it's like, can yeah. I do space camp? Yeah. yeah that sounds awesome. <laughs> I want to come do an internship. You're right. <laughs> Um, that's great. So you answered my next question, which is any other resources you recommend they consider. Is there anyone um, in particular on social media um, that, that stands out to you as someone you think that they should check out or follow, um, like any particular kind of women in meteorology, I guess I'd say, but more broadly, you know, education, meteorology education types? 
I'm trying to think like specifically like women um, in meteorology. I mean, there there are a lot of NWS forecasters um, who are like on Twitter and stuff, and and they're all great to follow. I guess the one thing I would say about when you're following people on social media is just be careful because there's a lot of um, disinformation out there or inaccurate information whenever it comes to, to weather. Um, and so just make sure whoever you follow that, you know, they're a scientist or someone who has experience in the field, um, you know, and that they're passing along quality information. Um, so just use caution. It's good advice. <laughs> um, and on that note, uh, where can folks find you on social media if they wanted to follow you? Oh boy. Okay. So I am on Twitter and you can find me at weather Liz W X L I Z. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much my social media presence is <laughs> Twitter. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining me for this conversation. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time and everyone, um, Please go check out Liz Lightman on Twitter. And um, obviously, if you're a chaser, you know all about the Storm Prediction Center and how we love to sit and hit refresh every evening um, during storm season. So thanks very much, Liz. It was great to have you. Thanks for having me. It was great. Today's episode was recorded and edited by me, Jen Walton. Our music is by Storm Chaser Lori Bailey in collaboration with artist Inez Lobo. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can follow us at Girls Who Chase on Instagram and Twitter to hear about our upcoming events and see storm photos and videos from our badass contributors. You can support this initiative by donating or by becoming a Patreon member, where you'll get exclusive access to storm chasing content, forecasting information, and merchandise. You can find links to all of these at girlswhochase.com and in the show notes. Signing off for now, we'll see you under a mezzo.